Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Thursday, June 13th, 2019, and you know what that means. It's time to get nerdy, y'all. Welcome to episode number 106 of Two Nerds in a Pod, the nerdiest gaming podcast in the galaxy. I'm Lom, also known as Mr. Nice Guy, and I've got my comrade in gaming commentary here with me, the miggity, 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 miggity Mac, also known as Maction. Mac, how are things, man? Things are going great. It is always a great time when we have E3 come around. Dude, now E3, and I won't summarize it because we're going to talk about it, but it was an interesting year. Um, A lot of predictions were made kind of universally, and a lot of stuff did not happen that people thought was going to. There were some surprises as usual. Now, just as kind of a a precursor to explain what we're going to do today, I think we're going to focus on E3 stuff all all episode, aren't we, Mac? Is that what we're going to do? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I think uh, I think this is the E3 episode. Right, so we will forego the regular segments and kind of talk about some news. And on that note, Mac, you know what? I say we just do what we do best and hop right into the E3 news, man. Let's do this. May I open with uh, talking about Konami's big thing from E3? Go for it, man. Let's hear it. Okay, so this is the one of one of the things from E3 that I am most excited about. Konami has uh, announced that they are going to be making a TurboGrafx-16 Mini um, for release uh, in, you know, uh, 2020. I, I think 2020. I actually... <clears throat> tried to check out their um, uh, their website that they had specifically for it and couldn't really come across what exactly, uh, you know, when exactly the release date was going to be, but I'm hope- hopeful for, 20, uh, for 2020. Now what? I gotta know, man. What is it about the Turbo Graphics that has you excited? Because you're typically, you're a retro gamer. Mm-hmm. Um, you typically already have all the consoles and access to all the games that you'd want to play. So it's, what excites you about this? It's true, and... Uh, just had to reach. Um, I do have one, but here's the thing. The thing of it is, what is exciting is that. Um, oh, um, let's see. I'm not sure if your audio is going out to stream. Could you talk for just a second? Yeah. Can you guys hear me on the stream? I'll fix it while you do your thing. Yeah, I'm just waiting on the delay. Let's see. Yeah, I'm not really getting you on stream. But, uh, but oh well, well, we'll wait to hear that. And those of you who are here in the chat with us, um, let us know. Mr. Nice Guy is going to fiddle with the uh, audio on his end for a second. But, uh, um, but what excites me about it is that, yes, I do have a, I do have a PC engine here, um, which is uh, one of the iterations of the TurboGrafx-16. But the TurboGrafx uh, is probably one of the mo- most expensive retro consoles to get into um your options for like for example uh you know the nes the super nintendo um now i'm definitely hearing you on my side but uh, yeah yeah and i'm just testing it out to see if it's now coming through and i think it is okay cool cool we'll wait the 30 seconds for confirmation um but uh but yeah it's really expensive to get into yep you're all good mr nice guy um so, uh, yeah, um, it's really expensive to get into. Lots of the, they have these things called Hue cards. Um, there aren't that many uh, readily available ways to do things. I, I just feel like the TurboGrafx-16 has a significantly higher entry 
into appreciating or enjoying it. Um, the As a matter of fact, uh, uh, this console, I got it somewhat inexpensively, but it came with no cables, and that was part of it. And I picked it up before the most recent, um, the most recent, what was it? Uh, the most recent uh, Games Done Quick Marathon, wherein they featured a whole Turbo Graphics block, after which point the consoles became much higher in demand uh, because people saw some of the really cool games during that. Um, and because of the exposure, the prices of the consoles went up. Um, it's hard to... It's just really kind of... It's Since it was sort of a niche console, there's a lot less going for it unlike things like the Nintendo, Super Nintendo, or Sega Genesis when you're talking retro consoles. So I'm just super excited because if this follows the same trend as other mini consoles, it'll be probably a pretty good emulator with HD out and hackable so that we can just throw the whole library on it and it'll be a reasonably good all-in-one solution that is hopefully good enough. I won't likely be doing it, you know, using that for speedrunning or anything, but because of how difficult it is to get your hands on games, it's probably kind of one of the best solutions that a lot of people are going to be able to find. Understood. So, so the only game I have, like, good memory of on TurboGrafx is Bonk's Adventure. Like, that's literally the only game. Are there any games that you're super hyped for? Um. Well, Rondo of Blood is rather cool. Okay. Um, as far as that, the TurboGrafx-16 has tons of really cool, uh, really good shmups. Now, I'm not a shmup man, so that isn't something that makes me excited for, but part of the problem is I never had a TurboGrafx growing up, so I actually have almost no knowledge of most of the games for it. So I'm kind of excited because I think this will be a pretty easy way for us to explore the library, especially once somebody hacks it and we can throw the whole library on at once. Nice. Well, there's a lot of cool retro news that came out of E3. I'm going to start start with some more modern day stuff. Um, let's talk a little bit about the Google Stadia. Now, granted, we knew about the Google Stadia before E3 because they made this announcement right after we recorded last week's podcast. Mm -hmm. Mac, they finally come out with some details as far as pricing, speed requirements, launch games. Let's jump right in. This is on CNET.com. Um, here's the lowdown, man. I'm just going to summarize it. So the Stadia base tier that's free for any game you purchase via Stadia at up to 1080p and 60p in stereo. Um, individual game prices are still to be determined. So there's going to be a base tier that's free with this Google Stadia console. There's a $9.99 monthly Stadia Pro tier, which delivers 4K and 60p HDR quality at 35 megabytes per second with 5.1 surround sound, free games added to your library, and discounts. And then there's the Stadia Founders Edition limited pre-order offer of $129.99, which includes a first access to the service, limited edition controller, Chromecast Ultra streaming devices, three months of Stadia Pro, Bungie's full Destiny 2 experience, uh, first dibs on a username and buddy pass that gives a friend three months to try Stadia Pro. Uh, it's coming to 14 countries first. At launch, it will work on laptops, desktops, and Chromecast Ultra TV streaming sticks, tablets, plus Google Pixel 3 phones. More phones, including the iPhone and tablets, are slated for later. And the controller will cost $70 standalone. So here's some of the launch games. Baldur's Gate, Ghost Recon Breakpoint, Guilt, Get Packed, 
2020, Tom Clancy's The Division, Doom Eternal, Wolfenstein Youngblood, Borderlands 3, Mortal Kombat 11, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and Just Dance. So, Mac, if you didn't already know, and I know you did, but basically, this is going to be a console that you can kind of take on the go, and the screen is any tablet that was listed, so laptops, uh, phones, tablets, all that kind of stuff. What are your thoughts on Google Stadia now that we have some more info, pricing and all that? I am unfortunately the wrong person to ask uh, because my opinion has not really changed. Uh, from a principal stance, I feel like we are going the wrong direction in video games um, where this is the more full embrace of video games as a service, which I am not a fan of because you don't even have the you don't even have the luxury of having the game in any form on your, you know, on your device. Um, which, uh, just to kind of give us a little bit of a throwback, back when we talked about the Satellaview, the only reason we have those, we still have ROMs from the Satellaview, is because people had that, that broadcast, that data was somewhere saved on their you know, on their things, on their consoles, and they didn't download new data until later on the ROM files were dumped. Um, and game companies, I mean, not just Nintendo, not just uh, not just Sony, but I mean, even Square, uh, there are plenty of the ports that they've done for, like the Final Fantasy VII, Final Fantasy VIII ports, um, they didn't have, they didn't hang on to the source code for the games. They had to rip stuff from, you know, uh, from PS1 versions of the game in order to try and reverse engineer stuff. Anyway, long way of saying I'm still not a fan of it, just because I think it is taking us down the dark, dark path that we are just going to lose all this amazing art yeah, but here's the thing, art. man. The, it's it's not like these are games that aren't available elsewhere. Like, they haven't really, as far as I know, announced any exclusives. I mean, we're talking about Destiny 2, we're talking about Borderlands 3, we're talking about The Division. Those games are all multi-plat, so... You're absolutely right, we are. But it's my big concern is it's just, it's what it spells for the future. I have... I not only have no interest in in Google in Google Stadia as is, I have no interest in, and I actively hope that it fails because I don't want this sort of I don't want it to have any amount of success because a, a colossal failure might help us, uh, you know, prevent the uh, you know the streaming only future until such time that we can like knock some sense into people, basically. I'm just I'm just terrified that this is the death toll. Now, here's what I'll say about it, because I remember when we first announced this on the pod or when it was first announced and we talked about it. Um, I said, you know, there's no way that this console will succeed unless it's two hundred dollars or less. And it ended up being one hundred thirty for the pro pack. It's interesting to me that half of that price is the controller $70 and the rest is effectively just having access to the service but uh, how much is, how much is the monthly though and and that's the thing so the monthly is $9.99 I believe mm -hmm. uh, and I don't know if they'll have <laughs> higher tier options but based on what I was just reading it sounds like it's $9.99 now with the founders pack you get three months for free to start but you're right you basically have a useless console unless you continue that subscription 
uh, with PlayStation, with PC, with Xbox, with Switch, you can at least have access to single-player games, even if you do not have PlayStation Plus or Xbox uh, Xbox Live and or you Switch could certainly make the argument that that's kind of what you're paying for when you buy the console. Is oh, it absolutely is because there's thing. no physical console. Yeah. Yeah, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah, so you I mean you're getting you're getting a controller, right? But then there's no physical console, there's no discs. You're basically downloading an app that is Google Stadia and then streaming the games. Uh, so you're right. You're 100% just paying for, for access to that. You're right. I agree with you there. Um, I'm a little bit more excited for this than you just because I think it's cool that people can use their own screen and play wherever they want. Um, but I, I, I'm with you about the streaming thing, man. I mean, there's a lot of people who don't have 35 megabyte per second internet, believe it or not. Google. Believe it or not, I've only got t- like 20 at most. On a good day, I've got 20. On a normal day, I've got like five. Yeah. It's so, ridiculous. Uh, and I mean, if you think about it, what is it? 35 megabits per second, uh, 60 seconds in a minute, uh, 60 minutes in an hour, assuming you do only two hours worth of, let's just assume you do one hour worth of gaming. Um, whatever that comes out to, 35 times 60 times 60 times uh, times 30, we'll just say 30, that's how much of your data cap you're going to be pulling down just in streaming these titles to the console constantly. On the back of my envelope, that's coming in at like the terabyte level per day, isn't it? Yeah, so I mean, you you would go through your data cap real quick, and then you'd have to deal with slowdowns. You know, half of an hour. You might blow through your data cap in half of an hour with this sort of a thing. At least the way internet is structured in the United States currently. Might be think, better in other countries. And I think that's the major hit against it, because, you know, the the thought is, oh, I can take this with me, and, you know, when I'm going out to lunch, I can play it. Well, no, you can't, because unless you're connected to a Wi-Fi network that has that type of speed and you're the only one on it, <laughs> you know, then th- then there's no way. I mean, you can't just go to a Starbucks and play this thing, you know, just based on the speeds that I'd assume Starbucks has. So anyway, Google Stadia, very cool idea, and I hope it succeeds, unlike Mac. Um, I'm not going to pick one up. I want to wait and see how it does and uh, and what other games are available, but I hope it hope it does well. Mac, you got any other news stories you want to share? Uh, yeah, I'm interested to, uh, I I'm, uh, just wanted to put a little plug in for a indie game. There were a lot of cool indie games announced at E3, but one that particularly spoke to me um, from Thunder Lotus Studios, who did Jotun, as well as who did um, Sundered, which I particularly enjoy. Uh, they're doing one called Spiritfarer, where you basically, you ferry spirits to the, uh, to the other you know, uh, to the other side. Um, and it, you know, looks kind of cute. It has a local couch co-op and, uh, and yeah, I'm actually looking forward to it. The studio does usually does a pretty good job of making art, music, and game design work together pretty darn well, even if there's the occasional mechanical hiccup. Uh, but I'm looking forward to that one. So, Um, I will just mention that uh, there are some people who are speaking some sense in the chat about the Stadia. Pazzy, I'm right there with you. Um, But 
uh, yeah, I, I sincerely hope that, uh, that, that, yeah, that Stadia, well, you know what, I'll stop talking about Stadia, I'll just, <laughs> I'll just let it go, I'll let it go for now. No, that's cool, um, now, speaking of indies, because you were just talking about indies, man, um, you have played Hollow Knight, I know that you did not like it as much as I did, because I, it's, it's my favorite indie of all time, hands down. Also, my favorite Metroidvania. You look like you want to defend your position uh, or something. No, I think it deserves a place up there. It, it deserves a spot right up there in the best Metroidvanias. Yeah, so um, we're getting the sequel. And the sequel was announced by Team Cherry probably a couple months ago. And uh, and it was actually at E3. So it's Hollow Knight Silk Song. And from everything that I can see, it looks like it's going to be as big a game as the original Hollow Knight. The only difference is that you're playing as Hornet, one of the bosses from the first game. Now, they've changed a couple mechanics. Mac, you remember if you played the first game, the healing mechanic was absolutely irritating. It took you forever just to heal one bar of health. Uh, so if you're in a boss fight, you couldn't just immediately heal. You had to time your healing so that you didn't get interrupted uh, by getting hit by the boss. I don't know if you remember that. Yo, yeah, I remember that. So it's it's a major change, um, quality of life change that they're making. All I can say about this is that I'm extremely excited, uh, and it will probably be a day one purchase. Hollow Knight, I didn't, I don't think I bought it full price, um, but it, it was easily like one of the best bang for your buck games that I played of all time. Seventy hours, and I think I probably paid ten bucks for it. So, uh, Mac, are you are you excited for this? You're gonna give it a shot. I know there was one area of Hollow Knight in particular that really frustrated you and frustrated all of us, but are you willing to forgive and hop into this? Oh, absolutely. As a matter of fact, I think for, you know, what was frustrating about it, there was so much that was really great. So absolutely. I don't know if this will be a day one purchase for me, but I will definitely be buying Hollow Knight 2, the sequel. Silk Song. Fantastic. Um, I got more stuff, but I don't want to dominate the discussion, man. I know you probably have other E3 stuff that you, you liked. What else? Um, yeah, well, uh, how about, um, uh, can I, uh, talk a little about, uh, you know, the announcements from Square Enix real quick? Go for it, man. We're on the same page. Okay, cool. So, um, let's see. We're going to have, uh, uh they talked a bit about the, um, about Final Fantasy VII. And uh, they talked about how the action RPG combat is going to work. Um, I know I've said before that I'm not the biggest fan of Final Fantasy VII, that Final Fantasy VIII is really my jam, and they're doing a Final Fantasy VIII uh, remaster, which is definitely very, very cool. Um, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I know that a lot of people really didn't enjoy, you know, uh, Final Fantasy VIII, uh, especially its magic draw and draw system, but I really, really quite liked it. I liked that it really took a um, a very big departure from the usual magic systems that we had seen in JRPGs, or at least that I had seen in JRPGs, and especially in the Final Fantasy, uh, you know, pantheon. I don't want to really call them sequels because, you know, they're not really any sequels. Yeah, but... yeah, because it's different characters, right? Yeah, different characters. In most cases, it's completely different universes. Um, the continents are different. The enemies are, you know, uh, while very similar, they are completely different worlds. I 
I think Final Fantasy X and Final Fantasy X-2 are the only ones that are actually sequels to each other. But, you know, meh. There we go. Um, they had a bunch of new, uh, you know, of, of remasters that they announced. Uh, Crystal Chronicles, Last Remnant. Um, what other ones? Uh, they're going to release uh, Romancing the Saga 3 uh, for North America. Um, and didn't they I come mean, up with a, uh, oh, what game is it? It's like a Square Enix collection of... One of their old games, not Chrono Trigger, not oh, Earthbound. Uh, What's that game, Mac? Um, hang on, I'm. It's on I'm the tip blanking. of my tongue. Um, I don't think you're talking about Crystal Chronicles, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles. No, no. I'll Google it while you're talking, and we'll figure it out. In just a sec. Um, well, I was just barely coming to the end of what I wanted to say about um, uh, about the Square Enix announcements. Um, there was an Avengers thing that they talked about, which I mean, yeah, sure, that looks fine. Whoa, but... whoa, 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 whoa! Let's not just brush over the Avengers because that's uh, a big I part. Think, I think we can brush over the Avengers. I'm I'm pretty burned out on Avengers, if I'm honest. Oh, burned Secret out. of Mana series. Pazzy yeah, has our of back. Mana. Did someone say it in the yes. chat? Thank you. Yes, Pazzy did. And uh, it's Secrets of Mana. I believe one, two, and three. Three never got a release. Unless you were into the ROM hacking scene, where um, they, where there was a fan translation of Secret of Mana three, I do believe, and that's released as oh gosh, Trials of Mana, I think is the name of that one. But they've they're doing a re- uh, you know a sort of release of the of the suit you know of the uh, of the original. And then in 2020, there's going to be a remaster. So I guess you could really distill all of Square Enix's things as, hey, we heard you like remasters. So we got you some remasters to go with your remasters so you can remaster while you remaster. Thanks, Exhibit. Appreciate that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, dude, one other piece of news that kind of relates to the whole streaming future that we've talked about. Um, and this also relates to Square Enix. It says Square Enix, this is on Game Informer has been around for decades, creating one monstrous library of games. This makes us wonder if there are any plans to make all these games readily available digitally, whether it's in some sort of subscription service or elsewhere. President and CEO Yuosuke Matsuda confirmed that he's heard the demand for the library to be available completely digitally. Quote, we're working on that in a variety of ways. That is a request we hear often. As far as our major titles go, most of those, we still have variations out that you can play now. The more classic titles that you have played on NES, we are still working hard to make it so you can play those. So, Mac, they're trying to preserve their games, man. They're trying to keep all of their stuff available. Maybe you disagree. I I think that they are. The well, look on your face says otherwise. They might be making some steps forward to that. I... Um, actually, so as you know, Mr. Nice Guy, I follow pretty closely the uh, Video Game uh, History Foundation headed by uh, Frank Cifaldi. Um, uh, you know, I'm a bit of a Cifaldi fanboy, uh, but um, I mean, circling around um, that community, uh, you get a lot of tidbits and you get directed to a lot of interviews that, uh, you know, various people in companies have done about remasters, porting processes, and things like that. And it's kind of clear that a lot of companies don't actually do a very good job of preserving their games. 
Um, I mentioned those things about the Final Fantasy VIII and VII PC ports earlier, but uh, but yeah, maybe they're making some strides now, uh, but in a game that's 15 years old, 20 years old, 25 years old, in some cases that winds up being almost too little too late. Um, but then again, I'm a bit of a, you know, I'm a bit of a, of a, I don't know, devotee of the going to the original, um, when sometimes for a lot of people, good enough is good enough. Uh, so maybe I should just be a little bit less of a snob. I really should. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. You don't have to agree so quickly, Mr. Nice Guy. I would... Uh, let me think about it for a minute. Um, yeah, I could I could be forced into agreeing with that. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Nice Guy, for letting me down gently. No problem. Well, hey, um, I guess we should talk about some other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. It's hard to... You know, at some points of time, it's kind of like, oh, where do we even begin? I know, because there's so much. So just so you guys know, there's no way we're going to cover everything cool that happened at E3. We're f- covering some of the highlights and some of our favorite stuff. So this next one is big news. It's about the Xbox Scarlet releasing holiday 2020. Uh, the summary of it is on GameSpot.com by Oscar Deus. It says Microsoft has a ton of things to talk about during E3, but the biggest news came from an announcement in the form of an announcement at the end of its press conference. After confirming work on a next-gen console had begun at last E3, the company finally revealed details about it. It's codenamed Scarlet, and in fact, it might refer to multiple consoles rather than a single one. Whatever the case, it's coming out holiday 2020. And here's the big part of it, Mac. It says they also announced Halo Infinite will be a Scarlet launch title, which marks the first time a Halo game has been a launch Xbox game since the original Halo Combat Evolved on the first Xbox. So... Um, the other news that goes with this is it looks like it will be released on PC day one, and it's going to be released on current gen as well. So it'll be available on the Xbox One S, Xbox One X, all that good stuff. Um, uh, Twilight Princess Treatment, Mac, where they're basically releasing it on the current gen console and the upcoming console. Do you think this hurts sales of the Scarlet? Probably not. Really? Yeah, I mean, if if that one thing was the only thing that Scarlet had going for it, then yes, but they've got plenty of other things going for them. You know what I mean? I, I would disagree. Okay. And, and here's the reason why. So one yeah. of the major features, I should have mentioned this before I asked you that question, is that it's going to be 8K capable. Um, I, I mean, I don't have a 4K TV. Mm, a lot of true. people don't have 4K TVs, and, and it's partially because there's not a lot of 4K content. Um, there's just, I mean, unless you have the PS4 Pro or the Xbox One X, there's really no reason to buy a 4K TV because, once again, in order to stream it, you, you would use so much data, and it probably wouldn't really even come out in true 4K. The other reason, I guess, would be if you have a huge 4K movie collection, right? Um, the fact that one of the selling points of this is that it's 8K capable when many people who are, you know, perfectly, you know, middle class, upper middle class have not even purchased a 4K TV leads me to believe that this is a feature that will be lost on the people and that the real way for them to sell this console is through the games. Now, if the games are also released on current gen, speaking for myself, I'm not going to buy a new console if I can play the best games 
on the current gen. So I don't know what else they have going for them at this point. Well, you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, and I did just a little bit of looking about Scarlet, and I can't seem to find it, uh, at least, you know, this quickly, but I know as we were reading up to it, I saw that there was something about Project Scarlet that was going to include a significant backwards compatibility with um, original Xbox, Xbox 360, and I believe Xbox uh, Xbox. Uh, one titles as oh, well. Oh, interesting. See, now, if that's the case, I missed that. But that is a big selling point. Yeah, and, and I mean, I could be wrong because, like I said, I, I tried looking. I just, you know, Googled the details and the two or three details that I looked through, they didn't list it. But I know I read something about it having extreme, extremely good backward compatibility, or at least that was what they were going for. And so I'm inclined to believe that they've, uh, you know, that they've gotten their emulation on point so that they can backwards compatibility these with uh, via emulation with previous titles. So, uh, which, as you know, when we talked a few episodes back about our dream consoles, um, one of the things that I mentioned was that, you know, full backwards, full backwards compatibility with the library, you know, having emulation, that would be my kind of dream. So if that is something that comes to fruition, as I suspect, or as I, you know, think in my brain, it's going to be, then that would actually make me buy the Project Scarlet. Okay, so dude, um, you're absolutely right. It says... All Xbox One games and accessories to be compatible from day one, including all Xbox 360 and original Xbox backward compatible games. So to clarify, Mac is is 99.999% right Um, because they basically, with, with Xbox One, they made a series of backwards compatible games. But not every single game was backwards compatible, if that makes mm. sense. So mm-hmm. what they're saying is all the games that they took the time and effort to make compatible on the Xbox One from the 360 to the One will also be compatible on the Scarlet system. But ones that they didn't probably won't unless they somehow go back and do those. Now, regardless, this is still the most backwards compatible console ever. It's playing basically three generations, so like 15 to 20 years worth of games on one console. So... In that sense, you're right. Um, It's a convenience thing, though. You know, it's kind of like that argument about digital versus physical. Like, it's nice to have digital so you don't have to constantly switch discs out. But at the same time, if you're willing to deal with the inconvenience of switching discs out, you can potentially save yourself some money. So someone who, like, really has a big catalog of Xbox One and Xbox 360 games and still has those old consoles, I mean, they could still play them. But it's just an inconvenience of having to switch discs. Additionally, not being able to play them on the faster console, you know. Yeah, well, so for the uh, for the original Xbox, or OG Xbox, as it were, I believe there are 1,050 titles or so. Um, I'm just looking at the uh, games that are currently available for in that backwards compatibility. And I don't have a number for you, but it definitely looks like upwards of... 250 just as I'm sort of scrolling through it and that's you know that's a quarter of the games which is definitely not full compatibility and maybe that number will improve but maybe it won't improve as time goes on but it's still still, to your point it is probably the most 
you know, Microsoft in their work for Xbox have brought definitely the most backwards compatible titles. Easily. Yeah, no, I, I still feel like to buy it day one, there's got to be an exclusive. That's just me. Yeah, and I mean, maybe so. Uh, I'm not sure if the exclusive is what's going to do it for me. In a lot of ways, I'm still that backwards compatibility. That's my dream console thing. And and it feels like they're close. So I think of the next generation of consoles, this puts Project Scarlet kind of at the head of the class for me. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm excited for it. Hopefully they price it appropriately. Mac, what else you got for us, man? Um, let's see. Uh, how's about we talk a little bit about uh, Bethesda? Let's do it. Um, so, uh, so Bethesda had a couple cool things they talked about. Um, let's see. Uh, Doom Eternal, of course. Um, I have some fond memories of the old... You know, some fond memories of the old Dooms, and I haven't played Doom 3 or later, uh, but, you know, uh, I understand they were loved. Um, Fallout 76, I mean, Fallout 76, as we know, was kind of a big flop, and uh, they're making some changes that, you know, I heard someone say um, Bethesda is kind of pretending like Fallout 76, you know, they're, they're making it the way it should have been when it launched and uh, and pretending like it's a cool thing that they finally, you know, that they've finally gotten on the problems of Fallout 76. Um, one thing definitely cool is that if you want to try it for free um, for this, I believe it's this week, yeah, it's until next Monday, you can, uh, you know, uh, you can play it for free. Um, of course, it's getting Battle Royale because everything gets Battle Royale. It's almost, um, a, it has to, you know, at this point. Yeah, it's it's all, it's all practically a meme now, um, is a Battle Royale mode. So with um, it being free, are you going to give it a shot? Uh, maybe. We'll see how busy I am between now and Monday. The Division um, 2, also free, 13th through the 16th, just so you know, uh, Mac. Okay, so uh, I might be too busy with that. One thing that frustrated me to no end is that uh, uh, one of my favorite titles growing up was the Commander Keen series. Oh, yes. Um, and it. uh, it's it's now getting a um, it's now getting a mobile title. And, um, How'd that make you feel? I am... I am very not happy with this. Um, I, I felt the same way. Now, why did you feel that way? Well, for starters, it has no real connection to Commander Keen. It basically is just... It could be anything. The game is so exceedingly generic as a mobile title um, with just kind of a Commander Keen splash of paint on it. And uh, I find nothing about the about the mobile title that even makes me think it, it would be better, in my opinion, if it wasn't trying to 
bring Commander Keen into it. I will say the uh, the sort of uh, title theme to it, the you know not the actual gameplay video, but like there's there's like a short animated intro thing, and that looked like it would be great for a Saturday morning cartoon. That's I what would I thought watch, when I saw it. Yeah, I would watch the heck out of that Saturday morning cartoon. Um, I'd get up, get some of the sugary cereals, sit down with the nice guy clan and watch it. We'd love all it, enjoy it. it. But yes. uh, but uh, as as a mobile game, I'm just very, very disappointed. Um, it I honestly... it Yeah, it just feels like they took a generic mobile game design and just threw those, uh, threw those graphics or those styles on it and were just like, hey, let's call it Commander Keen and we'll bring people to it. it in a lot of ways, it feels kind of like a betrayal of the... Uh, of the intellectual property. Um, but, yeah. Um, I honestly, man, my biggest thing is I just don't like that it's on mobile. I feel like it's a Switch game. It needs to be on the Switch. It needs to be on the PC. That's where Commander Keen was originally. I don't think it was ever on... Actually, it was on consoles. I take that back. They had a Game Boy Color version of it. Um, but I, I feel like that is a quote-unquote mobile game that needs to be on a mobile console, not on phones. Um, and, and my issue with mobile games on phones, Mac, is mm-hmm. the simple fact that the controls are ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like, often they try to make you use some of the screen space so that your thumbs are controlling the character. And I just think that that's not a fun way to play any type of platformer. Um, it works for Angry Birds, <laughs> but it does not work for, for games that actually require precise controls. Yeah, to to just uh, crib a quote from uh, from Pazzy in the chat, I'm going to amend it. He said the best thing about, I'm going to change it, the only good thing about the Commander Keen mobile game is that it meant that the complete pack was on sale for Steam for 91% off. So, a big old sale, so able to get it for, you know, Commander Keen's 1 through 5 for pennies. Which is just, you know, by Grabthar's hammer, what a savings. But, uh, but yeah, there's, there's just nothing in that that says Commander Keen. It just says generic mobile game, Commander Keen slap a paint, and it's frustrating. Um, ooh, uh, so, um, there is a id software on the subject of, you know. Yeah, yeah. Id, because that comes from came from uh, Commander Keen was id software. Uh, Anyway, um, id has their thing called Orion, which is the game streaming streaming, uh, thing. It's implemented at a game engine level, apparently, that decreases latency. So presumably helping to get players, you know, uh, good settings on their games, even if their bandwidth is small. Um... I mean, I think I, I've seen some videos about some demos, uh, but I'm always really skeptical about demos that you see on a show floor. There's always so many things that a company can do to make it better in that kind of controlled environment than it will be in the wild, as it were. But, uh, but you know, who knows? That might be a step forward for those of us who want low latency while streaming those games in this streaming only future that we're going to but you know oh well so uh that's what i had yeah. about bethesda unless there was anything you wanted to talk no, about on that's that. pretty much it man it was an interesting year man now this is not my my next news story but i want to talk about it before i forget 
Ubisoft. Um, they had a lot of cool stuff that they announced, and we can talk about it maybe a little bit later, but the, I want to talk about what they didn't announce, and they didn't announce Splinter Cell. Now, Mac, leading up to this, um, one of their creative directors sent out a tweet stating that Splinter Cell is being worked on and implying that it would be announced, and then about a couple days before E3, GameStop accidentally posted a uh, accessory that was Sam Fisher's Goggles E3 2019 exclusive. Yeah, we were pretty excited when we heard about that. Yeah, and then e- Ubisoft did their uh, their conference, and there was no Splinter Cell to be found short of a Sam Splinter cameo in an upcoming mobile fighting game that they have. There's no new Splinter Cell game coming out. Uh, all I want to say about that is that I'm extremely disappointed and that's all that we wanted as Ubisoft fans this year. We didn't need mm-hmm. another. Mm-hmm. You know, they announced like three new Ghost Recon games. They announced a new Just Dance game. Um, they announced all kinds of other stuff, uh, but no Splinter Cell. So I'm sad is all I'm trying to say. Yeah, I think the only good thing that I saw from uh, uh, from Ubisoft and just my personal take on it, but the only good thing I saw from Ubisoft, I feel like was uh, probably, uh, oh gosh, what's the name of Gods and Monsters? It's the, you know, it very much has a sort of open world Zelda-like feel, but in uh, Greek mythology. And uh, I think that would be really exciting. And I've actually got uh, some friends who are real big history buffs uh, that I think would really appreciate, uh, would appreciate that. But but yeah, I I don't feel like any much of anything that Ubisoft had going on at their conference, you know, was very good. It was overshadowed, like you said, by the things they didn't talk about. Yeah, they they really blew it. But um, let's talk about something positive real quick. I'm kind of doing two in a row. I hope that's okay. Two stories in sure. a row. Um, let's talk about Zelda Mac. Now, anyone who followed Nintendo's conference knows that they announced that the Breath of the Wild sequel is in the works. And this story by Jason Schreier on Kotaku talks about it a little bit. Uh, It says, when Nintendo teased a sequel to Breath of the Wild at the end of yesterday's Direct, it left everyone with one big question. Can you play as Zelda? Legendary series producer EJ Anuma knows the answer. He's just not saying. Now, I don't want to read the whole article because it has some spoilers for Breath of the Wild. If anyone hasn't finished it, and it is a massive game, um... But, Mac, Nintendo potentially releasing two full-scale Legend of Zelda games in one generation is not something that happens often. And if anyone could let me know in the chat the last time this happened, I would assume it was on the GameCube when they had Wind Waker and then Twilight Princess. Um, But this is huge, man. They found a formula that works and they're sticking with it. I'm excited. What do you think? Oh, yeah, no, I'm excited. Uh, I have not yet played Breath of the Wild because I don't have Switch, uh, but I do think it's a fantastic-looking game. So uh, I'm excited that they're going to do a second. Now, I have heard play... that it's supposed to be darker than Majora's Mask in tone, so uh, that should be interesting. Did you ever play uh, Link's Awakening, original Game Boy, by chance? I did. Okay, now you may have seen that they're also releasing... A, uh, a Link's Awakening remake. Yes, so and my, uh, and I think it looks smashing. It really does. Now, my question for you, favorite Zelda game of all time? I know you haven't played all of them, but what's your favorite one? Uh, Link to the Past. 
Okay, I was gonna say which one would you like to see made remade, but that one has already been remade. Um, I'd uh, like to see Zelda Two remade, actually. Really, side scrolling action. Okay. Yeah. Well, Good you stuff. know me. I'm a big side scroll man. Nice. Well, you know, I, I'm just happy to see that Nintendo is really giving the people what they want. Um, we got Super Mario Maker Two coming out. We got all kinds of stuff. They got a new No More Heroes game coming out. Um, they're really, really doing a good job with backing up the Switch. And I never really thought that they'd be able to do it with just the existing IPs, but they really are doing it. Um, I can't help but think that we'll see a new Donkey Kong game within the next couple years. Um, and maybe some other stuff. I mean, we've seen Yoshi, we've seen Kirby, Mario Sports games, Mario Kart. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a new Mario Kart game this gen as well. So, shout out to Nintendo for uh, the Zelda game that we got coming. Mac, anything else you want to share, man? Um, man, I think, I think that's about all the things that spoke to me. Um, yeah, I think that's all the things that really spoke to me at this E3. No worries. Those were some of the highlights. So we'll wrap it up by um, by going over, like, I have the list of all the games that were announced at E3, mm-hmm. and I'll just kind of read through them, and then if we have any comments on them, we can kind of go through those, and if you think of anything else in the meantime, that's cool. Sure, um, sure. So looking at Nintendo's list of games that were announced, uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild 2, Luigi's Mansion 3. Have you ever played a Luigi's Mansion game? No. No worries. I'm a um, Philistine. The only one that I've played, I'm, I'm like you, the only one that I've played was on the 3DS, and I thought it was a good game. Uh, I just didn't necessarily feel like it was fit for the 3DS because they tried to have multiplayer, but there was no way to communicate, uh, and communication was kind of important, so that was frustrating. But anyway, hopefully this one's good. And tweets that I read about it made it sound like it will be. Animal Crossing, New Horizons, Pokemon Sword and Pokemon Shield, Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening, Super Mario Maker 2, Astral Chain, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, Cadence of Hyrule, Fire Emblem Three Houses, Dragon Quest games. I'm not going to read through all of them. No More Heroes 3, Resident Evil 5, and 6. Microsoft has Halo Infinite, Gears 5, Blair Witch, Lego Star Wars, Battletoads, Age of Empire 2, Definitive Edition, that's on PC, Wasteland 3, uh, I'm going to skip through some of these. Forza Horizon 4. And that's it. That's it. Now, Take-Two has Borderlands 3 and The Outer Worlds. Electronic Arts has Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Mac, that's coming to PC. Uh, you think you'll give it a shot? Uh, I think so. It actually looks quite good. I loved the look of the uh, lightsaber combat and such. So. Yeah, it looked yeah. solid. I saw that as well. And then, of course, EA has their FIFA for the sports people and Men 20. Um, did you get to read anything about Cyberpunk 2077? Um, you know, I did not make it to Cyberpunk 2077. That's okay. Now, if you were watching, you see, you saw that, for those of you in the chat, Keanu Reeves came out and made an appearance, and his, his, he's the main character in the game. Um, I don't think he's the main character. I think he's an NPC in it. Oh, you're right. He's not the main character, but he's, he's a, a main character. He's yeah, one of yeah. the main characters. Thank you. That's an important distinction. Um, and that which game means like he's probably we, he's likable. He's a big NPC, which means he's probably gonna die. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, or sacrifice himself for the main character or something. Uh, Witcher Three: The Wild Hunt is complete edition is actually going to be coming out for the Nintendo Switch. Now, I never got to play this on PS4. It's constantly on sale. Uh, something about the premise of a game being available on the go makes it that much more appealing to me. As you know, a dad. 
um, with a full-time job and all kinds of other responsibilities, the ability to dig into that game, you know, in 20-minute spurts, you know, when I'm on the go, it makes it makes me think that I may hop into The Witcher 3 because supposedly it's a masterpiece. So, um, Contra Rogue Core. Mac, are you a Contra guy or not, or not really? Um, when the occasion calls for it, I can Contra it up with uh, some of the most mediocre of them. Me too. That's exactly where I'm at. It's just a, a game when you want to shut your brain off and shoot a bunch of stuff. And so I'm, I'm excited this is coming out. Who knows if I'll get it. Um, and they also have Contra Anniversary Collection. Bethesda, we kind of went through all their stuff. Fallout 76, Wolfenstein, Commander Keen, uh, Elder Scrolls Blades, which it says is debuting on Nintendo Switch. I'm not familiar with that one. I'll have to look it up. Square Enix has a bunch of Final Fantasy games. Mac, are you excited for any of those? I have never played a Final Fantasy game all the way through. Um, so we got seven, y- we got eight remastered, and some others. You know, I'm excited for eight. Nice. How about Final Fantasy XIV Shadowbringers? Uh, no. I <laughs> I hopped out at Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy X-2 is when I stopped uh, stopped following the the main Final Fantasy games. Now, were those just bad games, or what made you hop out at that point? Um, They just didn't really appeal to me, so... Uh, Final Fantasy X, I found the main character to be super annoying, and then when they said they were going to do a sequel, I didn't really, I just didn't pay much attention. Understood. Now keep in mind they switch characters, so indeed one, they did. So I didn't annoying. have to listen to Titus's horrible laughter. Nice. Very, very good. Very good. Ah, uh, what else we got? Now let's just read some of the various games. Uh, we got Namco Bandai as well. I don't want to forget about them. Uh, we got Tales of Arise, Dragon Ball Z, Kakarot, Rad, and Dark Pictures from Sega. We have Fantasy Star Online 2, which I've never played, but I heard it's amazing. Um, I'm not super familiar. Ubisoft, Ghost Recon, Great Breakpoint, Division 2, uh, DLC, plan was outlined. For Honor, Watchdog Legion, how could I forget that? Um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey is getting a game update that will allow you to create your own levels. And then some various games. We're getting Dauntless on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, the Dark Crystal, Dead by Daylight, New Super Lucky's Tale coming to Nintendo Switch. Uh, and some others. So, Mac, it was. I think it was a good E3, but I will say I was underwhelmed by the number of announcements. Um, I would probably rate this E3 7 out of 10 compared to what I've seen in years past. Even though we got new console announcements, uh, this just there wasn't a lot of software that really got me excited. Hmm. I think that's fair. Um, I don't know if there were that many things that really spoke to me. Although, you know, the prom- the promise of uh, Scarlet having really good backwards compatibility is super exciting, and that's the kind of future I want to see. But there are lots of things that I saw from other, you know, from other companies that just all the talk of the streaming-only future really terrifies me and there was a lot more talk of it this E3 than there has in the past so I mean you got to take the good with the bad and I feel like there was a little bit of good and a lot more bad on that front so I would agree now yeah, Mac, I would put it six out of ten okay yeah and I, I'm not I'm not against that vote so Mac I got a question for you you have a decision to make first and foremost thanks for bearing with me as I had to start late tonight Second of all, do you want to talk about what we've been watching and stuff, or do we want to just wrap it up? You know what? Let's wrap it up there. Um, Interestingly enough, both Mr. Nice Guy and I have in-laws in town at this moment in time. Yeah, we're both super busy, so 
um thanks for tuning in we may even if we forgot some stuff that we want to talk about we'll get on it next week as far as e3 news um but you guys have been awesome for being here thanks for tuning in we'll catch you next week same bat place same bat time same bat rhymes keep it nerdy y'all deuces see you later